Welcome to the People's Church Sermoncast. You can join us for our live worship services on Sundays at 10 a.m. People's Church is located at the corner of Mill Plain and Andreessen in Vancouver, Washington. Please visit our website at peoplesvancouver.church to learn more about our community and how you can get involved. And now for this week's sermon. The Supernatural Way of the Believer, this is part six, Ezekiel 47, nine. Let's go there. I thought I could squeeze these last two into one, but I, I, I can't. This, this part, which I thought would be a couple of short points, turned out to be something I've taught out of this a number of times, but this time through, the Spirit of God just continues to open things. There are many speakers and preachers and such that are having that same sense that's taking place in the Mario Murillo of one, uh, Robin, but there are a number of names fresh revelation, and I'm not, I don't consider myself in that, but all, all I can say is that, boy, uh, now's a good time to be looking into the book because it's just, it's just springs in the desert. Ezekiel 47.9, uh, in his continuation of, of God speaking to him and showing him what kingdom life is really like in the spiritual realm and what we need to be expecting and anticipating as we live our life in Christ. He said, and it shall be, say that with me, and it shall be, that every living thing that moves. What's he talking about there? Well, let the Bible speak plainly. Every living thing. He's not just talking about I, every living thing. God created it all. I'm not saying that every living thing has an eternal soul. That's not what I'm saying. I know we do. But there was not a distinction here. That is, the Spirit of God is so wrapped up in imparting life, that wherever the Spirit of God is, things come to life. It's the same prophet. Can these dry bones live? Only you know, Lord. They started coming together. (laughs) It was a joke amongst pastors. One of the first ones I heard it. Oftentimes, uh, we'll get up on a Sunday morning, get ready to do what I'm doing here and look out, and we'll just say, oh, Lord, can these dry bones live? And uh, yeah, you're alive. You're alive. Living waters, uh, what it really means to be alive. And he said, uh, every every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. There will be a very great multitude of fish because the waters go there, for they'll be healed, and everything will live wherever the river goes. Uh, Living waters, what it really means to be alive. Uh, I'm just going to do a brief intro about this, and it might not seem right now how's this connected, but it, I believe as we get through, it will connect. The four stages of biblical life described in Deuteronomy 8. And there's a connection here with Deuteronomy, and there's also a connection to where Jesus was ministering, but I want you to turn over to Deuteronomy 8, verse 1. Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe. This is God speaking to Moses and the children of Israel, Israel as they were getting ready to go in, that you may live. And so what he's saying is, what God's saying is, if you'll do it my way, this is what's going to happen to you. If you do my way, if you observe the commandments, if you're careful to just follow me, is what he's saying, that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land of which the Lord swore to your fathers. Uh, the four stages of biblical life are described right here. This, and I'm going to go through, I'm not going to give you the Hebrew words and all that, but I am just going to go through what, what they mean, the meaning are. And he said, uh, 
Uh, every command which I give to you must be careful observed that you may live. That's the first promise, that you may live. Uh, this word, it means, it means to, to be alive. It's, uh, but it's a, and it's an interesting breakdown. It means uh, like raw meat or fresh plants. The Hebrew's language is so more expansive than ours. So in, in, their, in their, one of these concepts of, of being alive, it's like it's, it's strong, it's fresh, but it's not finished. That's what he's saying. Uh, if you'll do this, you'll, you'll be alive. That is, and, and in the spirit, a lot of Christians live like this. They're alive. They've been born again. They've been saved. They've got the strength of God, in, but, but they're not yet finished. You, what, what the Holy Spirit does in a person's life after they say yes to Christ, after they go through the waters of baptism, if they come in and they, they say, yes, I'm going to serve Jesus all the rest of my life, if you, just, if you want, you can stop right there. Yeah, and you'll be strong, you'll have salvation, and you're going to heaven. But at that point, God then wants to start the finishing process, the finishing work. That's what the Holy Spirit does so marvelously. He's a finished carpenter. <laughs> uh, yeah, he'll, he'll put all the trim pieces together, and he'll make them look just right. But uh, uh, it's, it, it, don't be content. And, and this message has been so much this point over and over again. Don't be content with just staying where you are, in the things of God and the way you are in the things of God. That's what this whole message of going from shallow to deeper waters. And then the next stage of this uh, biblical life out of, out of uh, Deuteronomy 8, and multiply. He said you're going to be uh, alive and, then, and multiply. God is, God is so masterful at creation. He put in everything that he created that is animate or that does have life to it, he put within it ways for it to expand and increase and multiply everything from the simplest micro to the very pinnacle of creation, which is us. Ways for it to increase and grow. And in the spirit, it is the same way. And multiply. The process of growing and increase. God wants to put more into you this year than what was in you last year. He wants more into the church of Jesus today than was in it yesterday. And I'm not just talking about people and numbers. I'm talking about in every part, there's the process of growing and increase. As you go into these rivers of this allegory of the life of God in the spirit, part of the things that will take place in your life is the process of growing and increasing to become more like Jesus, to become more connected with what he's doing and not just what you're doing or what the world's doing. There's this process of multiplying. And so right way back in Genesis, uh, whenever he created Adam and Eve, he told him, he said, go out and multiply and subdue the land. And then the next part of this biblical life um, that you see that connects, and it connects to uh, Ezekiel because he's talking about everything that comes to the water lives. Well, there's these different stages of life and processes in it. The next one was go in and go in. The joy of the journey, things that are alive, move. Are you having fun yet serving Jesus? You should be. There's the joy of the journey. Now, I'm not taking away from the destination. Oh, I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward. I'm looking forward to, to getting there. You know what I'm talking about. I'm looking forward. But there's, there's something that the Lord uh, provided in kingdom living that there's the joy of the journey. Things that are alive move. <laughs> I, Spurgeon was one of my heroes of the faith, and and uh, I just I just remember this testimony of his from so many years ago that uh, 
that big old metropolitan tabernacle, a megachurch in his day, uh, without air conditioning, without fans, without microphones, without any of it. And they had thousands and thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people worldwide and impacted the world uh, during that time. But uh, he said the church would become so stuffy that people would just sit there. And it was like it inhibited uh, their participation, something like that is what he's talking So on Saturdays, sometimes he would go in with a stick and he would go up in the top of the church. I don't know, maybe he needed a teaching on stewardship, but he would knock windows open and even knock windows out to get so that the people just wouldn't sit in this stagnated. The joy of the journey is the direct opposite of being stagnant. Remember the two lepers, I believe. They were so bad in, in their disease, no one would be around them. They were forbidden by the law. And they were also being over their country, being overwhelmed by the enemy. And the story goes on. Anyway, that night, the Lord, uh, the Lord wiped out the enemy. And they kind of snuck in the town. And there was all the enemy's provision everywhere, just sitting there. And they looked at each other and said, let's go get some. Because if we just sit here, we're going to die. If in your, not just the decision of your mind, but in the experience of your living for God, you're just sitting there. You're going to become stagnant. And he might send somebody like me to come in and knock windows out. You don't want that. <laughs> There's joy in the journey. I get, I get too serious at times. I do. Uh, that's why God gave me Susan. And she has her serious side too, but she knows that joy is as much a part of living. You see, you can be alive and not really be alive the way that the Lord wants you to be. The fourth one is, and to possess. Biblical life means to inherit and to occupy, okay? What are we inheriting? Uh, more of the promises of God. What do we occupy? Victory, living above uh, mediocrity of this world, living above just my own flesh, living above what, uh, you know, the, the cancel culture says I can and cannot do. No, biblical life means to inherit and to occupy things in the name of Jesus. It takes more to live than just being alive. So over Matthew 4, uh, in verse 4, the first thing the devil tempted Jesus about was this. What does it mean to be alive? That was the first thing the devil tempted Jesus with. If you're the son of God, command that stone to become bread. Because if you're really going to be alive, you need bread. You've been fasting 40 days. You need something to eat. If you're really the son of God, make that which is inedible, edible. Sounds reasonable, right? You all probably know that the report, that the answer that Jesus spoke to Satan. But he answered and said, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. So the context that Jesus was giving is that to be alive is more than just keeping this body alive. That what makes you really alive is what comes into you and what proceeds from God's and that you take into your life. And you know where that comes from? At times you think, well, man, Jesus just came up with it. No, Deuteronomy. This eighth chapter, that's where you'll first find that principle recorded. And it was God saying, if you'll do it my way, 
If you'll live for me, if you'll follow these statutes and, and all of this, he said, you're going to find out what life is really about. You see, sometimes I think that, that we, make, we make this deal, the good news about, about uh, what it is to follow Jesus, we make it, uh, yes, it's about heaven, and I get that, and that's the ultimate goal. We are, we are spiritual beings housed in these fleshly bodies. But um, it's not about just having eternal life and getting there. It's about having life here and now and living it the way God intended it to be. That's what these rivers are really all about. Deuteronomy 8, there are the three types of biblical life. The first one is that you may live. That is alive but not finished. We already touched that. The second one is to keep alive, to preserve. Deuteronomy 8 was laying that out. And then over in Ezekiel 47, in that ninth verse, these same things are brought out. The same words are used. The same concepts are brought to the table. The second one is to keep alive, to preserve alive. God wants you to be alive, physically and spiritually. Why do you think that our culture is so pervaded with a culture of death? Because it's antichrist. It's anti what God is. The spirit, this culture of death, this culture of fixation, of morbidity and, and suicide and dying, and, and it just invades our culture. And I'm, I'm not going to get on my little political pulpit of uh, abortion and, and, and all those kind of things, but all of that, that that tries to get a foothold and hang on in our culture is antichrist. Why? Because God is about life to keep you alive, to preserve you alive. He wants you to live. The third is this life, this biblical type of life. The third type is to revive or save life. We talk about revival, that's spiritual, uh, spiritual life. I, I love water baptisms where people then testify a little bit. This is what I, before my life was this. Yuck, yucky and a mess. Now my life is this in Jesus. Turn around. It's, you, you came into a biblical uh, type of life, which is reviving and saving and turning. Why is life so important to God? Well, he's the creator of it. He's the giver of it. But as long as something is alive, there's a chance. A chance for what? A chance for fulfilled destiny. I don't care how many decades you've checked off the calendar. If you're alive, you still have a chance for fulfilled destiny. And you will. There's a chance for, uh, as long as there's life, there's a chance for salvation. Oh, Charles Finney didn't believe in deathbed conversions. That was just his particular mindset, being an attorney. And if you don't know who Finney was, he was a great revivalist. He was, he was not a fan of people getting saved under deathbeds. Uh, but I do believe that can happen. I, I think we see that in Scripture enough. But because as long as something is alive, there's a chance for salvation. A lie that some, some religious organization promote is that after a person dies, there's still a way that we can rescue them out of purgatory or whatever. That's, that, that's not biblical. That's not the way the Bible teaches about life. That this life, as long as we have it, there's a chance. But when it's gone, when this life, when I say this life, I mean the life of this body. At men's meeting last Monday night, it was, it was good. It was a wonderful time. Uh, Brother Ted brought up this thing about, you know, we are spirit, we're eternal spirit, we're spirit beings. Right now we're just lived in this, in this thing, this broken pot. This clay vessel filled with treasure. But as long as this clay pot is still alive, God has a, has a way of fulfilling destiny, of, of saving it. I don't care if it's you know, the last second of life and you call out upon the Lord. He that does that will be saved, the Bible teaches. Reconciliation. We've been given the ministry of reconciliation. God wants to bring into your life and every life. Every life needs the, the activity of being reconciled, first to God, 
And a lot of times, because that's so important, we kind of think, well, okay, all reconciliation is about being reconciled to God. That's the greatest one. That's the highest one. That's the best one. That's the biggest one. But I'm going to tell you right now, even in this group, and you all look good, there are ways and places that you need to be reconciled to others in your life. And I know I'm just not preaching to me. (laughs) When I got saved, my dad said, don't bring that stuff into this house, and if you do, you can be gone. So I moved out and lived in my car as a teenager. Yay. Yay. Oh, did I tell you it was Idaho in the winter? Yeah. It was. <laughs> Won't go through the whole testimony. The point is, there was, a, there was a real division there between my parents and I over my faith. You're going to preach, and you're going to throw your life away. Son, I thought we, you've heard the speech probably in some way, some form, some fashion. Years and years later, decades later. There was a period of 20 plus years where I had more faith for any derelict or drug addict in downtown to get saved than I did for my, my dad. Well, some of you are shaking your heads. You had the same. <laughs> uh, but even before that, there were issues. My whole life growing up, never heard him say he loved me. So there were issues inside already. That's why Jesus became so, 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 so amazing. Changed my life. Long story, he got saved. Watching Rod Parsley preach on TV. God bless Rod. The next hunting season or whatever after that, I went back home. He and I were on the side of a mountain in northern Idaho hunting elk. In the pitch of night, sitting on the side of a mountain, waiting for the dawn to break so we could go shoot something. Uh-huh. We were just talking. I was living in Portland. He hated Portland. Just talking about life. You get your gun sighted in, always. You bring enough food. Uh, yeah, I got it, Dad. Couldn't even see him about that far away in the dark. Son, I love you. Like a bullet shot out of the dark, penetrated my heart. Pierced through my brain and my emotions. Instant healing and reconciliation. I love you. The ministry of reconciliation instantly released. Deliverance happened in my brain. My dad doesn't love me. Oh, devil, you're a liar. Reconciliation happens when you're alive, not when you're dead. So if you got somebody that's about ready to slip away and you need to do something, do it now. Don't do it at the graveside. I'm meddling. I know I'm messing with your stuff and all that. I'm just saying that's part of what happens, why life is so important with God. For the impossible. Another thing is for the impossible, as long as you're alive, for the impossible to become possible. Oh, he has raised the dead, and he will continue to do so. And I believe part, resurrection is part of the New Testament church. But for the standard, for the, for the, for the, um, uh, you know, the majority, uh, the impossible is meant to operate in this world, not the next. You are the pinnacle of God's creation. God spoke creation. But for man, God breathed. Huge, huge difference. What's the difference? Your life. If he'd have breathed into a rock, it would have been alive too, but he didn't. 
Matter of fact, that principle of God's presence can be able to impart life wherever it comes. Finally, on that, on that uh, Palm Sunday, and the children were praising Jesus, and, and the religious folks were all angry and, and messed up, and Jesus said, uh, per- uh, perfect praise is perfected out of the mouth of babes. He said, if these don't praise me, those rocks will. God breathed a living spirit into you. And you will live for eternity because of that. And I know I'm preaching to a household of faith. We're all going to live in his presence for eternity. But might I tell you that you run into people every day that if they slipped out today, they would live in damnation and hell for eternity. For their spirit is eternal as well. This is what Ezekiel is being shown about life around these two rivers. And I've got to jump in here and begin to uh, uh, bring it to where... Uh, I want to bring this at the end. This is, so Ezekiel's being shown these rivers, right? Verse 9, he begins the culmination. He begins the ending. And he begins the, this is what it's all about when you get around the rivers. And it shall be that every living thing that moves, wherever the rivers go, will live. Sidebar. Because we're taking this as, as a, this is representative of things in the spirit. The two rivers, what would they, what would, one possibility, I think, and the, most commentators will agree. And, I, you know, I read commentaries and I like them, but that's not how I, I'm, I'm trying to go with what I feel the Spirit, you know, speaking to us and into our hearts. Uh, a great part of what these rivers are that you need to be close to is the Word and the Spirit. They create tremendous flows of life into you. And I love the Word. I'm a Word man. I've been here, you know, I've been, I'm, I've been here a year and a half, and you know how I love the Word, and it's, it's what we base it all on. But I'm going to tell you, if you just have Word and don't have the Spirit, there are two rivers there. They both were bringing life. You need them both. Matter of fact, there's a verse that says, the letter kills, but the Spirit brings life. If you just try to take the Word without Holy Spirit inspiration, He's the one that breathed this in the holy men of God to write it in the first place. Uh, uh, and it's a big book. I always go, wow, whenever uh, there are those that say they understand it all. I don't know that any of us on this side understand it all. Matter of fact, I'll just t- I'll rephrase it. I don't think anybody on this side of it understands it all. Certainly, not me. But if Ezekiel's being shown, every living thing that moves wherever the river goes will live. <clears throat> are you standing with God as a proponent of life. And I'm not talking about a political thing on abortion here. Yeah, that's something to get involved in if you want to. I've been involved in it. It's all good. But life's more, it's not more, it's, it's, this whole issue is bigger. Out in the city, they're dying every day. You don't know this. Mike Wisman knows this. Vernon knows it because he gets the call from time to time. There are people that come on this property because it's where we are. At Andreessen and Mill Plain, there's no fence. I won't even say yet, but there's no fence. <laughs> and there's little dark cubbing holes and all that. Every day, somebody here, we're interacting with those that are dead. And I don't mean physically, but I mean spiritually. Every day. The big thing now is fentanyl. I didn't know what these little aluminum foil wrappers meant that I kept picking up all over the property with a little black carbon mark on them. Well, because in Portland, they're handing them out like candy with the straws and the foil and the drugs and the matches and the stick. And then, and uh, so I found a young man uh, yesterday morning in the, in, the, in the office door down below doing fentanyl. 
handsome young guy. I said, what are you doing? He said, I'll move. I said, I'm not talking about you're in our spot here. I said, what are you doing? Because he had his back and he leaned over and there was a cloud of smoke. And I said, I walked up. I said, you at the bottom of the stairs, what are you doing? You don't want to see that side. You won't. <laughs> I put on my little hat and I put on my little boots and I got my dog. And, <laughs> and I look like a hillbilly because that's what I am. At, yeah. And the hair. Yeah, that's why I wear the hat. And, uh, uh, and he started apologizing. I'm sorry, man. I'm sorry. I'll get up. I said, listen, son, I'm not asking an apology. I'm a, are you going to be all right? What are you doing down there? And he said, I'll leave. And I said, I don't want you. That's not what I'm asking. What are you doing? Somebody's been praying for you. That's why I'm here right now before you kill yourself down here. Remember, I've been mentioning to you, I ask God for opportunities every day to pray with people. You think that was a good opportunity? Well, I certainly thought so. Now, he didn't think so. Matter of fact, he wanted to get off this church property so fast that he left stuff later. I said, listen, don't leave that there, man. That's your stuff. Get it. And before you get up those steps out of here, I'm going to pray for you. And he just looked at me. I love doing foot patrols about 630 around this joint every, every day. Did it today. Lady out sleeping in the bush. Anyway. I don't want to put a fence because I kind of like having an ability to walk up on them and sneak up on them in the middle of the day. They don't know what's going on. Jehovah sneaky. Ha ha ha. Some of you need to employ that activity a little bit. Since I started praying with the homeless people, they're not showing up. So I'm taking they're being delivered. Ha ha ha. No, I'm taking really, they're like, man, there's a crazy guy over there with a dog and a hat and it looks weird and he's praying for it. Don't go to that place. That's okay too. Wherever the river goes, every living thing that moves will live. What do you think God's plan is for those hiding out in the little cubby holes around. What do you think God really thinks about them? Oh man, I'm, I, don't, I, don't want, I don't want people's church property to be desecrated. <laughs> Wrong answer. Doesn't care if there's garbage, if there's stuff, if there's prayer for now, if there's whatever. Doesn't care, I won't even tell you all the other stuff. I Doesn't care, not a problem with God. We have plenty of garbage bags. What he does care incredibly more than you can ever imagine about is that person. I told the young guy, didn't get his name. I said, somebody's praying for you. Either your mom or your grandma or something. And he just shook his head, yes. That's all I need to know why I was there at that time, at that part of the morning, doing that. That's why I know I was an answer to somebody's prayer or part of it. Why don't you be an answer to somebody's prayer for life, huh? Why don't you say, God, I want to be part of bringing life into somebody that the devil's trying to kill. I want to be a part of the one that brings life to this one that he's telling them, oh, if you take this drug or if you drink that or if you start this or if you sleep there or if you do this or you rob that or whatever, that you're going to be happy. It's a lie from hell. You are the answer to bring life into that situation. God loves life. Be a part of it. We are not hiding out as secret servants, agents for the kingdom in between four walls to be protected from what's going on out there. God's out there. Ha <laughs> ha. Well, let's just say, thank you, Lord, for not giving up. Come on. 
There is a tremendous abundance of fish because of the healed waters. Uh, I've got to go into verse nine here. It took me and it shall be every living thing moves. Wherever the rivers go, we'll live. What happens when the Holy Spirit shows up? Things come to life. Churches come back to life. People come back to life. The dead inside of dreams and visions come back to life. That which you're calling was that you felt when you were a teenager and now you're many decades on, all of a sudden it comes back to life and you get a spring inside your step. Maybe God can still use me. Yes, he will. All you need to do is just get a dip in the river. <laughs> oh, Vernon and I have fun when we go to breakfast because this is what we talk about. So I'm asking God, Lord, I'm not pastoring horses. You know the old saying, yeah, you can lead a horse to the water, but you can't make them run. I'm not pastoring horses, Lord. I'm pastoring people. I want to bring them to the waters, and then I want to push them in, God. I want, you know, I won't push anybody, but you, Holy Spirit, you push them in. Don't worry, I'm not pushing. You're getting the point. My job is saying there's two rivers, and whatever gets around those rivers and in those rivers, which represents the moving, present spirit of God, anything that gets around them, it doesn't matter what state of decay or death or dis, uh, dissolution or anything, whatever gets around this water gets healed and life comes back into it. That's what you possess. That's what you can do in impacting other people's lives. That's what happens. You bring them to the waters. It's not your water. It's not a people's church water. It's kingdom rivers. It's kingdom waters. And anything and everything will live that touches it. This word about life, wherever the river goes, it's one of those words I talked about out of Deuteronomy. It means to revive or to save life, wherever the river goes. So the point here is stay in the flow. Your job is to stay in the flow, stay in the river. This church isn't changing because Pastor Larry went to heaven. This church would have been changing if he'd still be here. But in the process of, of just how God is working, this church is changing like every church should. Our commission is to stay in the flow. Remember when the children of Israel were out in the wilderness and they had not a clue where to go, but God said, if you'll follow me, I'll get you to the promised land. And so at night there was a pillar of fire. Remember? Charlton Heston. You remember the movie? Yeah, Ten Commandments. Right there it was. And then in the day, there was the, the cloud, the pillar of cloud. Their command was, all you got to do is whenever it moves, go with it. When it stays, stay. When it moves, go. When it stays, stay. Same picture today. When the Spirit of God is moving, and I just tell you prophetically in, in a declarative way, the Spirit of God is moving in our city, in our county, in our nation, in our church. Oh, you think I'm discouraged when I look out and see empty seats. No. There's a very great multitude of fish. And all we've got to do is get the water to the fish. Wherever the river goes, stay in the flow. And you guys have been doing a great job. One of the things I'm most excited about uh, is these outreaches. We've got another one, a Harvest Fest coming up. Someone asked the other day, is this celebrating Halloween? No, this is the antithesis of Halloween. Now guess what? Because we're inviting the city and they're living in a culture of death and it's the week before Halloween. Don't get your spiritual sensibilities all tweaked out when a little boy or girl shows up with a ghost costume on, okay? We're bigger than that. Come on, Come on somebody. They don't know. 
But when they come on here and this place is cleared out and they got jumbled jungle gyms and whatever Sandy's working up, I don't even know what it's going to be. But it's going to be big. It's going to be loud. It's going to be jumping. It's going to be screaming, hollering. It's going to be kids in every kind of costume imaginable. But they're going to be in this house that we pray in, preach in, worship in. And when they're in here, they come up under a spirit of life. I don't care what costume mama put them in. I'm just preparing it because I know what's going to happen. I know Pentecost people well enough. I know what can happen. Greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. You bring life wherever you go. Devil lie to you and tell you that you don't, but you do. You bring it by your very presence when you go into that job, restaurant, home, wherever it is, you bring life. I got to keep going. The whole banks of the rivers. Oh, the fishermen. Okay, where, where are we at? Stay in the flow. Verse 10. And it shall be that fishermen. Who do you think, who do you think they are? A special class of angels, fishermen angels? Nope, not angels. Where's my scripture, Mike, about Jesus? There we, there we are, Matthew 4, 18 through 19, calling of Peter and Andrew, right? You got it up there? Whoa, look at that. Stretch your hands over Mike. Just say, God bless Mike and his computers. God bless you. <laughs> the calling of Peter and Andrew is the calling for everyone who follows Jesus. So, and Jesus walking by the Sea of Galilee. Have you ever wondered why so much of Jesus' ministry was, center, was happening around a sea? Well, read Ezekiel 47. It's an analogy as well. It's not just a matter of geography. Walking by the sea, what happened? He saw two brothers. What do you expect to see? Around the, around the lake, around the sea, two young men, brothers, Peter and Andrew, casting a net into the sea, for they were fishermen. What do you expect to see around the waters? People fishing. You are immersed in the sea of humanity every single day. It is nothing more than a fishing ground for the kingdom. It is not about you just making a living at that job or trying to get from one side of town. You are in the middle of a sea of a great multitude of fish that are people that God says, I'm going to get them from every tribe and nation and shape and color and, and whatever they are, they're coming to me. That's what we're a part of. So Jesus calls them and they were fishermen. And he said to them, follow me. Turn to your neighbor and say, follow Jesus. <laughs> follow Jesus and I'll make you. I'm going to change your occupation just a little bit. Not going to change what you do, but I'm going to change who you do it with. I'm going to make you fishers of men. That's the calling that still comes from the heart of Jesus to every one of us. We are called. I know it's, it's at the bottom of the hour. Uh, okay. Wherever the river goes, stay in the flow. Fishermen stand by the river. It should be that fishermen, verse 10, will stand by it from Engedi to Engalam. What's that? It just means one was in the south, one was in the north. That is, wherever this river goes, the activity that's happening around this river of heaven is always fishing. Can I just interject something to you as a believer, as a follower of Jesus? When you're living life around the Holy Spirit and the life of God and the flow of God, 
and you think it's just about having good church services and that kind of thing, and that's all good. I mean, that's, that's good. But all the activity that goes, around, that goes on around the presence of God, it's ultimately about fishing. That's what it's all about. Yeah, grow you up, perfect you, sanctify you, do all those things. We talk about that, a love doctrine, and all of that. But all of what it really comes down to is because wherever this river goes, from north to south, wherever it goes, we're on both sides of the bank, wherever it goes, everything it touches comes alive. And it says there were all kinds of fishermen. It shall be that fishermen will stand by it. Stand by what? Those rivers from the north to the south. And they will be places. What? Along the river, there'll be places for spreading their nets. God, those places are God's opportunities that he gives to you to catch fish. Last, last definition, and we'll wrap it. The nets, for the spreading of their nets. Yeah, I read that and thought, okay, I know what a fish net is, but I didn't. I won't either if you, if you don't dig a little bit. These nets, it, it's not, this is what, this Hebrew word net, this, the devotion of some object to a sacred use, not for the gratification of any selfish purpose. That's the word he put in for nets. That's what, that's what, Ezekiel was told when he said, okay, all along this river that's from your kingdom, God. And, it's, and there's two of them and everything's alive. Because right, and there's places. The Holy Spirit makes places all along the river to cast the nets. What is the net? The net is a sacred object of devotion, not about you saying how many I won to Christ, but about the, uh, the sacred use of bringing those that are lost and going to die to him. That's what the nets are. That's what it's all about. Oh, we rejoice with the angels. No wonder the angels rejoice when anyone surrenders their life to Christ. The nets catch every kind of fish that's in the sea. Now, I do believe that there are specialized fishermen. Oh, yes, you'll have ways to minister to those, and a lot of it is just out of, you know, what you have been delivered from, that kind of thing. But can I give you just a pastoral exhortation? Don't ever overlook or exclude anyone from being caught by your net because they're different than you. It's a ploy that the devil's trying to inflict upon the church right now. I'm going to close with this. There's such a spirit of confusion been released over the Western culture of the world. I've kind of thrown it out a little bit. I'm not trying to be political. I'm not trying to make some statement, oh, this is what pastor believes. No, I, this is what I, I, I just feel the Spirit of God has a heart for them. And that is this whole, this whole thing of, of sexual orientation. Change sexes, you can do all this stuff. And it's, you know, I'm just old school. It's all weird to me. I'm out of it. I'm old. I, I get that. But here's the thing. God loves them. It's a trap and a snare of the enemy to ensnare them up so that they'll never come to Christ because they're just pervaded with confusion about their own identity. And I could go on. I've been reading and studying. I'm not going to do it here, but I'd go on and on and, and just tell you anecdotal information of those who have gone through sexual reassignment and life after that, what it is really like. I mean, news, news, news don't, they don't want to print it. The whole CNN's not going to talk about it. Neither is MSNBC or any of the other stuff. They're not going to talk about it. But it's going to come out, and it is coming out. Canada's trying to pass a new law right now that there will be a provision for assisted suicide that will automatically be rendered for anybody that has undergone 
a sexual reassignment. All they have to do is ask. That's what's going on a couple hours north of us right here. That's what the devil's doing there. Oh, you think it won't come here? Oh, it's, it's just everywhere. This is what the Lord's been putting on my heart. I pray for them every day. He's actually been putting a burden on me for them. And there isn't probably anything that would be more out of my wheelhouse trying to minister to. <laughs> I, I'm just going to tell you. But it's not my burden, it's his burden. Every kind of fish, there are nets that will catch him. See, I think at the very basis of that, they don't, they've never been loved, they've been rejected, they've been whatever, they've been abused, whatever, and so they go, go this way. You know what? The kindness of God leads them on a repentance. When they show up, don't you dare. And I'm saying it in loving. When they show up, I mean pour on the double dose of love, okay? Be the friendliest church in town. I got to stop. The only way for you to know what true biblical life is, is to be a part of throwing nets for Jesus. If you're not a part of throwing nets for Jesus, you're never going to know what true biblical life is about. Let's stand. So here's what I want us to pray today. These nets catch every kind of fish that's in the sea. There's a whole other thing. I want, to, I want to know what true biblical life is. Then I've got, to, I've, got to, I've got to come. This church needs to know what true biblical life is. Not that it hasn't, but I mean just as we continue on, we've got to be part of throwing debts. How many just be truthful today say, maybe, Pastor, I, I don't know what I can do maybe, but I can be a part of throwing I can be a part of something that's throwing a net. Whether it's praying, giving, you know, setting up, tearing down, digging holes, filling holes, painting. It doesn't matter. It's all part of throwing nets. You say, I want to be a part. If that's you, if you're willing to be that dangerous in your prayer, raise your hand, wave it at heaven, say, God, I want to be a part. Because all along these rivers, uh, there are places for throwing nets. Uh, Lord, I want to be a part. I don't care. I don't even know what it is I can be a part of, but God, I want to be a part of you, of catching those fish that are a multitude of all different sizes and shapes and kinds. I don't even know how to relate to them, Lord, but I want to be a part of that process of catching them in Jesus' name. Lord, we've got chairs that need to be full in here. The nets need to go out, God. They need to be bringing them in every kindred, every tribe, every nation, every description, every size, every look that they come unto you. Father, right now I pray you release a heavenly anointing that would come upon this church and that God not only would be the kindest church and the most loving church, but God, we're going to be a church that knows what it is to stand on the banks of what your Holy Spirit is doing and throw nets to every fish that passes by and throw nets to every city, every place in this city and throw nets to everyone. Maybe they're totally different and we just don't even know how to relate, but God, we're going to throw a net. Jesus loves them just as much as he loves me. Thank you, God. Lord, we'll throw the nets, but you're the one that has to catch them, God. You're the one that brings them in. You'll help us to clean them. You'll help us to process them into the kingdom. But God, we're praying today that the nets will be extended out of people's church and out of every other church that preaches the gospel in Clark County. If you come into agreement with that, just let's put our hands together and say, thank you, Lord, that we live in a day when the nets are going out in Jesus' name. If you need prayer, I'm going to open the altars. You're dismissed. I'm going to open the altar. If you need prayer, come on down. We'll pray for you. we got some folks that would love to pray with you and pray for you.
If you've got a loved one that you think is never going to come to Jesus, you need to come down and stand in the gap. Say, God, get them. Get them wrapped up in a net. God bless you. We love you.